Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 61. Steve back with Jimmy and Brandon uh, after a Roma victory this time around. So a little bit better mood, I guess, for the three of us, even though it's a dreary day here in the Northeast of the United States. Uh, Roma's victory carried us through what was a bit of a dreary day. So Jim, how are you doing today? I mean, I'm doing great, all things considered. Two wins out of two matches. You can't complain too much about that. Plus, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting more and more excited by Tana Abraham by the day. Yeah, what about you, Brandon? Doing good, doing good. Very happy with the the past couple of results. I think the the weather, at least on the East Coast, is indicative of us uh, the internet of yet another international break being upon us. <laughs> yeah, another international break is here. Uh, Roma will have to wait to try to follow up this victory with another one. We'll get into their upcoming schedule at the end of the show because it is a big stretch coming up. But let's start with the the good news of yesterday's bounce back win after the loss in the Derby to Lazio disappointingly last weekend 3-2 you know they won in the conference league three nothing out in the Ukraine against Zoria uh lots of roster turnover in that one I think it was uh just about three or four of the regulars started uh Patricio Ibanez and I think there was one other that uh, Pellegrini started but he was off on Sunday so really only two players that had played against Lazio three of the regular 11 for the most part so we saw a lot of turnover Roma still found a way to win three nothing contributions from Tammy Abraham off the bench. Like Jimmy had mentioned, he's starting to fall in love with him. Maybe his, his new man crush, but um, he gave, he's given us a reason to really enjoy watching him in a Roma uniform. So Roma got that conference league victory kind of mentally got back into a good place before this Empoli match. This was knowing this was the last match before the international break and that there were some big head to heads in Serie A where they would be able to take advantage of a couple teams, if not more, um, you know, so Roma was in a good position to hang around in the top four going into the international break. Two changes to the regular starting 11 in this one. We saw Roger Ibanez sit, which is not something he's done very much in, in favor of Chris Smalling. And Brian Cristante sat in favor of uh, Abrima Darboe, who had a nice match in the Conference League. 
part of that was probably motivated by the fact that Cristante is on four yellow cards and Juve is the next match after the international break. So he was at risk of a one match suspension. If he did get carded, Mourinho was asked about that in his pre-match presser and kind of said, you know, I don't manage based on those kind of things. We take it one game at a time. But, you know, after seeing what happened with Pellegrini slightly differently because it was a second yellow in match rather than, you know, Cristante getting a fifth in the, in the a run of, you know, seven matches, I think he still probably erred on the side of caution and figured, you know, he'd rather have Cristante available for Juve than risk him here against Empoli. And that's what he did. So, you know, pretty much the regular 11, Smalling and Fribanias, they're both for Cristante. And the 15, first 15, 20 minutes, teams kind of exchanged half chances. Nobody had a great, you know, look on goal, really. Um, there was a non-call on Zaniolo, which made me think of Jim right away because he's been, you know, talking about refereeing, not maybe paying Zaniolo the proper respect. So, Jim, was this another case of Zaniolo just getting kind of pushed over from behind and not getting the call that others may have gotten? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's getting really frustrating. I can't complain too much just because obviously a win's a win, and I thought this was a pretty convincing win uh, overall. But at the same time, it does feel like there is a gear that needs to be unlocked or something along those lines for Zaniolo's relationship with the referees. I don't know if – I assume that'll just happen over time, you know, the more he becomes established in the league. And the more he puts in, like, class performances like we saw against Empoli already. Um, like, we, he, he did a great job even if he didn't score a goal. So I can't complain too much this time around. Yeah, it, it wasn't as uh, big of an effect on the match as, as other ones we've seen. It just made me think of Jim as soon as it happened because <laughs> he's been uh, trying to push the, the narrative a bit for Zaniel to get a couple more calls his way. Um, Darboe was also involved in a, an incident where he gave the ball away to Empoli. They got a decent look on goal. Mancini bailed him out, blocked the shot. But let me ask you guys, um, when Darboe was in the starting 11, how did you feel after his conference league performance? Uh, were you excited about it? Maybe were you, you know, okay, this is just because of Cristante. How are you feeling, Brandon, about that decision to start Darboe with Vertu? I think it was a well-deserved um, start just based on how, you know, how he performed against Soria in midweek. Um, I think a lot of it probably had to do with what you were talking about regarding the Cristante yellow card situation. Um, I know Mourinho, as you mentioned, is having a ticket, game by game approach and you know says that he it doesn't really factor in too much into his decision making but clearly it did um and I think you know the thinking there's you could probably guess based on how games with the big sides usually go that Cristante will pick up a yellow um in that game um which would roll him out for the Cagliari match but then you have him for the Napoli and the um Milan game if I'm if I'm remembering the schedule correctly but it's also worth pointing out that, you know, the Darboe starts not without merit. You know, he, he performed excellently um, for when he was in the match midweek. And again, today, uh, or Sunday, sorry, um, showed his worth to the squad and, you know, that he's gaining Mourinho's trust. Um, I really wish the, um, the, the, the volley, half volley chance that he tried to take at the top of the box went in because, um, you know, Roma Twitter would have erupted. That would have been really cool to see, but another solid performance from him. So hopefully he can build on it coming out of the international break. Yeah. We'll get into some of his numbers later on in the talking points part, but Jim, how'd you feel about his, his start? 
Yeah, I mean, I felt pretty good about both of his starts in the past week, to be honest with you. And I think that it was well-deserved that he then got the national team call-up uh, for this break. And it's obviously probably a bit easier to get a national team call-up for Gambia than it is, you know, for, to get a senior start with Roma. But, you know, still, an accomplishment's an accomplishment. Um, but I did think it was really interesting before the Empoli match that Jose Mourinho, during an interview, basically said something along the lines of, because of... Roma's need to develop a long-term project and because we don't necessarily have two or three experienced players who can, you know, be starters for every position, we're somewhat obligated to bring in players like Darboa, even if he makes mistakes every now and then, because, you know, that's just the price that you pay when you're trying to develop a player. Even Zaniolo, who I think we all would say hit the ground running when he started with the senior team, has some off matches. Um, and obviously, I, I mean, I'm excited for Darboe, Calafiori, and Zaluski, who are the three players that Mourinho shouted out um, in his pre-match interview. But I think that we can all agree that they're probably not on the same stratosphere of immediate talent as Zaniolo was. Um, given that, it seems like it's a necessity that we, we're going to see Darboe play, particularly if VR and Diawara continue to not impress um, and I'm pretty excited for it because, yeah, I agree with Mourinho that we're trying to be building a long-term project here. And if we don't do a good job with bringing in Primavera players who are obviously impressive, um, I think Roma consistently is thought of as having one of the best academies in Europe and especially Italy. Uh, it would be rid it's ridiculous when we don't bring in more players like that. So I'm happy that he got the start. I think he's probably going to keep on getting more starts if uh, VR and Diawara can't turn it around. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up uh, Mourinho's pre-match uh, press conference because he did have some comments. He was asked, you know, specifically about Cristante Gels and Darboe. And um, he said that he thinks Darboe is going through an important process during these last two and a half months. He said last year he played in the first team without any real pressure because the team was struggling and Fonseca gave him a chance. And it was kind of like, here, just show us what you can do. No pressure. We're probably not making the Champions League. You know, we're, we're out of some of these other competitions. He got a, a start against Manchester United. And um, he came in without that pressure and played well. And, you know, Mourinho said he had more pressure on him this time around. You know, this is a fresh season, new coach in, in himself. Um, and he had to realize that I, he basically, Mourinho said, he, has to, he had to say to himself, I'm not a youngster from the Primavera anymore. I'm one of, of those with expectations and responsibility on me. And there was some pressure at the beginning. And I think now he's starting to adjust. Mourinho sees that. And the talent is there. We knew the talent was there from last year. And now he's giving him the chance because he sees uh, sort of that change and, and not melting under the pressures because Roma can't afford to have him melt under the pressure of a, a big match. I think Zoria was a good way to get him integrated into the first team. And then Empoli's the exact type of team, I think, that you want to see these Primavera players come in, whether it's Darboe or Calafiori, if you could still call him a Primavera guy, but he's a 20-year-old kid. You know, um, Bove, if he eventually gets his chance, Zaluski. Um, so these are the kind of matches I think Roma can afford to mix one or two in at certain points and still get a result. So, you know, Darboe, I want to talk more about him later on, but just going back to the recap, Roma dominated possession through those first 20 minutes or so. I remember checking the possession stats after about the 20th minute, it was 77-23. So different than some of Roma's other matches where they are the counter-attacking team, this match, they really did control the match. Um, a big thing happened, I think, for Empoli in the 28th minute when Andrea Pinamonte came out in the 28th because he had a couple decent looks on goal before he came out hurt. He is their, their main striker. He's their main danger man, really, in the attack. So that took a little bit of wind out of Empoli's sails. 
Um, 30th minute in, you know, Empoli, a couple dangerous chances. And at that point it was one shot on goal for Empoli, still none for Roma 30 minutes in. So how did you guys feel about the the first third of the match, so to speak, uh, Brandon? Um, I, I think, I mean, I think Roma looked relatively dangerous and, um, one of the things that I noted specifically was just coming out of the game or coming out of the gate, they look to be on the front foot, um, which, you know, the, the, it didn't really pay off that first 15, 20 minutes, but it was, it's always, you know, refreshing to see that um, in terms of the Empoli chances. I mean, that's kind of, it's a 90 minute game, you know, Empoli is going to have their, their chances. Um, it just so happened that the, it, you know, their chances occurred earlier in the match. Um, but then when uh, Pino Monti went out, the the game, at least it felt like it completely shifted. And then as I'm, we'll get into later on, it, it did not long after. Yeah. What about you, Jim? How'd you feel about those first like 30 minutes or so? I felt a whole lot worse before Pino Monti came out. I got to say that that kid is impressive. I think he's only 22 still. And he's kind of shuffled around from loan to loan before last season when he did win the Scudetto with Inter. But I wouldn't be surprised, you know, particularly with Inter's financial issues, if after this year out on loan with Empoli, he's able to go back there and, you know, carve out a place for himself. He was very impressive. And I think that with more, with a better midfield supporting him, he could be quite a lethal player. But uh, once he was gone, it was pretty obvious to me that Roma's talent was going to see them through because he was the only player to me that looked remotely interesting on the attack for Empoli so once he was gone it was kind of game over if you ask me yeah it, it felt a little different once he came off Manco Su had come on for him who's like a journeyman played a lot in Serie B and I think has one Serie A goal to his name in his career so the danger felt like it had passed a lot for Empoli um, and finally in the 42nd minute Rome was able to break the deadlock through um, Pellegrini's goal I believe it's his sixth in all or seventh in all competitions this season uh, and this is a guy who's only played six matches in the league now, um, a couple in the conference league, and, and he's just scoring goals left and right. He had that new contract extension, which he signed through the 2026 season uh, the day before. So it was a great way to kind of usher in his era as, you know, a long-term Roma captain, hopefully. And uh, it was a nice goal, assisted by Mkhitaryan, good run by Pellegrini. Took a slight deflection off the defender, which is a bit fortunate to kind of spin away from the keeper. But, I mean, what more can we say about Pellegrini's form, Jim? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't really think there is much more that we can say. I, I'm going to call it seven goals. I know some people are quibbling over the fact that one of those goals came in with the play-in uh, against uh, Trebs on Spore. But to me, that's seven goals in, in a match that matters so far this season, which I was excited for what Pellegrini could do this season, and I did not expect seven goals by early October from him. I don't think that that's going to last per se. Like I, I, he'll surely go through some rough patches in a season. Even the best players do, but he is definitely showing himself to be worth that contract already. Um, and he's showing himself to be a player that Roma can really build around, which I think that there were some doubts about that among certain members of the Romanisti fan base. Uh, people didn't necessarily view him on the same level as, you know, De Rossi in terms of how influential a midfielder he could be. And I'm not saying he's there yet, but I do think that in his own way, he is showing himself to have that ability. And we got to remember, he's still pretty young. So by the time that that 2026 contract expires, he's going to not even be cracking 30. So if he's able to show this worth at age 24, age 25, 
it's going to be really exciting to see how he can continue to grow towards his peak seasons, which, you know, usually for a midfielder is, you know, late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. And, and I, I think you make a great point. You know, he might influence the game differently than De Rossi, but he's showing that he can influence the game for Roma uh, big time. And um, you know, his career high in goals for a season was last season with 10 in all comps, seven in Serie A, three in the Europa league. Right now he's got uh, the four we mentioned in, in Serie A and depending on what you consider uh, the conference league, whether you count it as two or three, he's already closing in on those 10 total goals. So uh, Brandon, what do you make of the, the, the form continuing even after the suspension and, you know, kind of christening that contract extension? That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's extremely fitting that he opened the scoring the match, given, um, you know, all the fanfare surrounding his renewal and just what he means to the club and the city, um, which, you know, to that point, I don't think much more can be said about the run of form that he's on because, um, you know, we've discussed that at length and he's just continuing it's it, there's no signs that the form is dropping um at some point it will um and he'll have to bounce back but based on these current performances it's clear that um you know he has the mentality to do so and i think just you know to talk about the goal as a whole it's really um it's really nice to see how fluid this team is in attack um i i touched on it briefly in the um the recap for the zoria match but the front four, the front four are just been extremely fluid um, in their play, and that's something that, you know, it's 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 new ground for Roma in my mind at least, just because um, you know in prior seasons everything's going through Zeko, and it often seemed like the offense was stagnating. So it's really refreshing to see all these young guys running around, and um, you know Pellegrini being at the forefront of that is really exciting for what the future of this team looks like. Yeah, for sure. And then with that goal, Roma took it into halftime up one nothing. you know, continuing to dominate in possession, 66-34. Their pass accuracy at halftime was 92%, impressive number there. Um, Ten shots, two on goal for Roma, seven shots, two on target for Empoli. But Roma, like we said, dominated possession, had the goal, had the lead. And shortly after halftime, Roma struck again with Henrik Mkhitaryan. Uh, Unfortunately for Tammy Abraham, he continues to be snake-bitten. Uh, he smashed one off the woodwork, uh, the crossbar. It was actually on the replay. It looked like the keeper got a slight touch on it, which forced it just high enough to hit the, the crossbar, but it fell to Mkhitaryan who hammered home the rebound, didn't make any mistake, got it through the defenders who tried to close down the goal. And Rome was up 2 nothing. Brandon, I mean, what can we say about Tammy Abraham and his bad luck right now? Uh, it's uh, the poor kid. He even uh, referenced it on Twitter. Um, he, he talked about how many times he's hit the post, but... Again, you know, going back to the last point about just how fluid um, the front four are, that was really on display with Abraham's, you know, run there because he he um, he took the ball off the defender close to midfield and had so much work to do to even get the shot off. And to hit the post was extremely unlucky. Credit to Mkhitaryan for being right place, right time. But it, uh, it was a perfect illustration of just how skilled Abraham is. And um, these... these uh, um, shots that are hitting the post are bound to go in at some point. And um, I think once that starts to happen, the floodgates are really going to open for them. Yeah, I agree. I, I was actually working on the, my, the four key numbers from the match. And I, I pointed out the post is one of them. And I said the same thing at some point, the luck has to turn, you know, he's, he's getting quality shots and that's the most important thing. And in this case, it did lead to a goal directly for Roma because of the rebound. So Jim, what, what'd you make of that play? Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be frustrating for him, but at the same time, he's still scoring 
pretty much just as well as most of the big strikers in Europe are right now. Like Lukaku has the same number of goals as he does, who has same number of appearances. Um, Timo Werner has the same has the same number of goals and fewer assists in the same number of appearances. So I mean, as frustrating as it must be for him that he's hit the post six times, which you know just insane. Like he could be on double digit goals right now if if he was not hitting the post each of those times. Um, it's you got to be happy with it. You got to be happy with the fact that Roma's winning with their, you know, $45 million man, who's looking like a 45 million euro man, by the way, um, playing in a way that is showing talent, but just, you know, bad luck. Um, that's something that, you know, as you guys were saying, easily fixed. It's just, you know, you flip the coin the next time and it goes in. So I'm not worried at all about it. It must be frustrating for him, but yeah, half the reason why I'm so excited for him at this point is because, like, the unlucky version of Tammy Abraham seems to be scoring four goals and not knocking into assists over the course of, you know, the first six weeks at the club and then getting his England cap, which, by the way, congratulations to Tammy Abraham for getting back in there. Yeah, so, like you said, he's, he's creating things. He's earned himself an England cap, so good stuff for him. The match continued... You know, Roma had a, a nice counterattack, you know, a couple little chances. Abraham forced a save shortly after the 2 nothing goal, uh, didn't go in. You know, there was a nice run by Zaniolo in the 67th minute that Pellegrini headed wide. Um, then some changes came. Darboe looked like he cramped up a bit his calf. He was grabbing at, but it looked more like a cramp than anything else. It was Cristante came on for him. Luckily for Roma, he played out the last 30 minutes without picking up a yellow card, so he will be available. And then from about the 70th minute on, Roma kind of lost the onus. They were up 2 nothing. just kind of defended the lead a bit, not too many big chances either way. You know, we saw Calafiori off the bench a little bit, Vigna off the, um, for Vigna, uh, El Shirari on for Zaniolo. And Zaniolo got himself a yellow card as he came off the pitch. I don't know if he said something to the referee, but he got some uh, card for that. Um, again, those are the kind of unnecessary cards we hope don't cost Roma in the long run, and he misses a, a big match because of an accumulation of those kind of things. But no harm, no foul on the day. Um, one little bit of concern was Chris Smalling went down around the 87th minute. He stretched for a ball in the air, came down a little bit awkwardly on his right leg. Uh, he was replaced by Ivania shortly thereafter. We'll hope that he's okay. I, I, I haven't seen any updates on him. Have you guys seen any updates on Smalling today? No, right? So the club hasn't released anything. Um, you know, Zalewski got a little run out from Mkhitaryan in stoppage time just to uh, touch the, the pitch a little bit, didn't really get too involved. And then the match ended 2-0 Roma. Um, just some final stats, 63-37 Roma control possession, outshot Empoli 18-12 with 5-3 on target. Uh, nearly, not doubled their passes, but pretty close with 645-368 to 368 passing attempts. Uh, Roma's passing percentage was impressive in this one, 90.1% overall. Um, a very strong percentage. So, you know, overall strong performance for Roma. When we come back from our commercial break, we'll get into some of the bigger talking points. Uh, so let's get let's to it in just a minute. All right, we're back from our commercial break. So I think the, the biggest thing, guys, is to start off with is probably the fact that Roma didn't dwell on their derby loss. They bounced back with two pretty solid performances. So what does that tell you, Jim, about this team? Yeah, I got to say, yeah. I, I got to say that, you know, over the many years of following Roma at this point, the one thing that I would generally say is united a lot of the different incarnations of the Roma squad has been having a very fragile mentality. Uh, losing a match like that, especially one where you, where, you know, the coach was grumbling afterwards saying like, you know, we really could have won that match. 
really hurts anyone. And the fact that they were able to come back and win two games right after a match like that is pretty impressive. I would add that I think that it's incredibly helpful for Roma to have these ECL matches right now because, you know, no offense to Zoria Luhanks, but I think that there was very little doubt that Roma could win that match. And having that type of match after a derby loss can only help you rebuild your confidence. So I think that part of it is that Mourinho has instilled a new level of confidence in themselves for this squad that we really haven't seen, I, I don't know, maybe even since like the 2001 era. Um, but yeah, we I, we've have that, but we also have the fact that we're getting to play these really small minnows, like, you know, anchovy-sized clubs on a regular basis, which, you know, really helps build up confidence in this team's ability to win. So I'm I'm happy that they were able to turn turn the page, and it's pretty exciting that they can do that now. Yeah. What about you, Brandon? How how do you make of these these two kind of bounce back victories? I think it uh, really highlights how low key important the Verona loss was in terms of um, the mentality shift because we've talked about it before about the potential ramifications of going into the Lazio game undefeated, having that deflating loss, and then kind of having it derail the short term. Um, we had that Verona loss, but took the fight to Lazio and outplayed them for some stretches. And despite the loss, um, you know, bounced back with two clean sheets, as was mentioned, um, which is exactly what you want to see, especially with the context of, um, prior to those two games, we, um, we, we let up three goals in two of the last three. So again, the defense tightening up a little bit is great. Um, I think Jimmy made a great point about how fortunate it is to play these minnows in the conference league. We worry about the rotations and the fatigue um, that'll come along with these games, but for the time being, they're great, um, you know, fixtures to have in sandwich between a loss and an upcoming league match. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a credit to, to the work that's been done off, um, um, you know, on the training ground and just the culture as a whole, because in theory, we should be beating these minnows in the conference league, but in seasons past, I'm not entirely confident that we win after a deflating loss in the Derby. So I think, you know, the biggest takeaway is just the continuing shift in mentality um, in terms of, you know, not getting deflated by these losses and taking it game by game. Yeah, I have to agree. You know, those games weren't always guaranteed in the past. And, you know, we're playing some of the, the smallest of the, the minnows in this conference league, even smaller than the Europa League at, in some ways. And, you know, these matches sometimes we looked at as kind of a nuisance when the schedule's jam-packed and fatigue becomes an issue. And, you know, you've got Juve one week and then you've got Napoli the next. And there's a conference league match against a Norwegian side that you've never heard of before mixed in. But at, on the same token, a match like this against Zoria comes at the perfect time after a derby loss to give the team a chance to rebound mentally with kind of an easier fixture where they don't have to, you know, they're not in the champions league and they're not going to play Chelsea after a big loss or something like that, where things could get compounded and really hurt the mental side. So yeah, they, they do have their benefit this season. I have to agree with you guys there, even if sometimes they're looked at as a bit of a nuisance in the, in the calendar in terms of like fatigue and stuff. And Brandon, you mentioned that, you know, Roma did keep a keen, uh, excuse me, keep a clean sheet in this one. They, they bounced back. They tightened up defensively. So I'll ask you guys, do you think smalling in for Ibanez made a difference? Do you think it was just the, the quality of the opposition in Empoli, especially after Pinamonte went down, or was it something else, Brandon? 
Yeah, I think it's the latter um, with the quality of the opposition, especially in the Conference League match, but also in the Empoli match. Once Pinamonti went down, the the rest of the match, uh, Empoli didn't look particularly threatening aside from a chance or two here and there. Um, now, the, the, not to say that there's not value in keeping these clean sheets. It's a great confidence boost. And especially for a player like Smalling, who's kind of working his way back to full fitness and, um, you know, form, to 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 be in the 11 when we're having these clean sheets probably does wonders for his confidence and that's why you hope that um that injury wasn't really anything to worry about long term um but yeah mainly for sure i think it's the opposite the quality of opposition yeah what about for you jim yeah i think it's a little bit of both i think that you know we've probably forgotten because of the injury issues that he's faced in the past year or so, how good a player Chris Smalling is on his day. And I got to say, I like Ibanez, don't get me wrong, but there is a level of calm that Smalling provides in the central defense that Ibanez just doesn't. And it's it, it comes down to their different styles of play more than, you know, a question of ability. But at the same time, it's nice to have that option. And we saw again that, you know, giving him – 90 minutes to play or so, or I guess how many minutes he got subbed out, didn't he? So, uh, yeah, about 80, 88 minutes, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Getting him to play and having him as a rotational option at the very least is fantastic for Roma. And, you know, considering that Mourinho is mentioning re- 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 repeatedly in uh, interviews that, you know, we're not a club with a huge amount of depth it's nice at the very least to have depth like Chris Smalling and yeah, I can't complain about that too much. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to the quality of the opposition too. Like you guys mentioned, you know, Empoli, especially after Pinamonte came out, did not look that threatening. Zorio, you know, is a Ukrainian side that, you know, is probably, I don't even know if they're third, fourth in that league, you know, behind like the Shakhtars and the Dynamo Kiev kind of teams, but you know, it still helps, you know, with the, feeling good about yourself, especially a guy like Mancini had a a rough match in the Derby, you know, so a bounce back match like this is probably good for his confidence. I wonder how much, you know, Smalling did help him. Maybe Smalling helps calm him down a little bit because when he's on the pitch with Ibanez, it's kind of two guys who are a little less experienced and Mancini's kind of the senior partner. And then with Smalling on, you know, he kind of becomes the understudy to Smalling in a sense. And maybe that's a calming presence. I'd be curious to see it against a better team with a better attack and see if it, if they can kind of rebuild that partnership from two years ago, but at the same time you do want Ibanez playing too. So I think a rotation of those three and then, you know, Max Kambula becomes kind of the forgotten guy. And you're right, Jim, like the depth is there at center back of all positions. That is the position Roma is deepest at um, in terms of quality, I think. And, and having four guys, hopefully, you know, Mourinho can keep using the conference league, maybe a midweek match like against Cagliari after we, after the break and things like that to work in the smallings and the Kambula's, especially get them because you want all four of those guys ready because if one goes down injured, you need someone else to step up. And that's the position. Maybe Roma could take the, the smallest uh, step back if somebody goes down injured because they do have the, the depth there versus other positions, uh, which is good. You know, the attack has been very dynamic, as Brandon mentioned, you know, free-flowing between Abraham, Zaniolo, Pellegrini, Mkhitaryan. Uh, we mentioned Abraham, we kind of sung his praises before, but one thing we did mention was that was his sixth post of the season between the post and the, the crossbar, like Brandon referenced that kind of lighthearted tweet that Abraham put out after the match saying, you know, I petitioned to pretty much remove the post and the cross, crossbar from the goal because he's hit six already this season. It's also Roma's sixth in the league, I read. And there was a graphic put up on Twitter by 
an account called kickset.it. And on their Twitter, they reference the amount of times teams have hit the woodwork in Serie A only. Uh, Roma has hit it six times this year, but there's a trend for Roma because if you feel like Roma has hit a lot of posts in your time as a fan, well, over the last five seasons, you know, four and then the seven for the matches for this season, Roma has hit the post 109 times, 22 times in 16, 17, 23 and 17, 18, 23 and 18, 19, 19 in, uh, 21 and 19, 20, 14 times last season and six so far this season. So their pace this season you know, really, uh, they're on like a 30 post pace this season. Cause we're only uh, a little under a fifth of the way into the season. So you multiply that by five and you're looking at 30, 31 posts if it keeps up. So some bad luck uh, next closest is Napoli. So Roma 109 total Napoli 106, Juve 90, Inter 86, Milan 82. So a lot of the big teams do have the most post hit because they probably create the most chances. So they're more likely to hit the post, but Roma has had some bad luck compared to the other sides in Serie A, especially the big side. So, uh, Tammy has just joined the club of, of Roma bad luck, I guess. And maybe it's, you know, part of joining Roma, but you know, let's talk about the rest of the attack because the rest of the attack besides Tammy was also very good. Jimmy mentions on Yolo earlier. Um, I'm going to read Marino's quote after the match because he was asked uh, by the press, what did he say to Zaniolo after the match? And he said, I said that his performance was the way players need to respond after any setback. He was expecting to be called up to the national team. But Mancini made the choices he did, which I obviously respect, and Nicolo does too. But playing like he did, he creates problems for Roberto, which I am sure he is happy about. That's how he needs to play in this game, in the game against Lazio in the last 20 minutes against Zori on Thursday. Nico was strong, great in transition, took the initiative and tried to defend well too. He played really well. I was really happy with him. And I have to agree. I tweeted out after the match uh, or mid-match that, you know, Zaniolo is really starting to look like Zaniolo physically again. And we said it after the Lazio match, uh, only 20 minutes against Zoria. But again, this match, he is dribbling at defenders. He's taking off on the counterattack. I mean, he looks like he's getting there. Um, what do you think, Jim? Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that anyone who thought that he was going to be able to hit the ground running after two ACL tears and, you know, just be that exact same Zaniolo who impressed us so much before those tears really needs to get their head examined. Maybe as much as the people who saw that it was taking a couple matches for him to get a little bit better. And then we're immediately calling for Carlos Perez to start. Like, I'm sorry, but there's being reactionary and then there's being that. And um, you just got to give players like this some time to get used to playing at a Serie A level again. And, you know, playing actual matches that matter because he had so much off time, but especially both the Derby match and this match, he has looked fantastic, even if it hasn't resulted in any goals yet. He has looked as exciting, in my opinion, as he's ever looked as a player. And if he keeps on playing like that, the goals are def definitely going to come just as the same for Abraham. Like, yeah, keep taking the post. The goals are going to come and their goals are going to come for both of them. And Honestly, this this trio, which we'll talk about Pellegrini later, but this trio of Abraham, Zaniolo, and Pellegrini all being under 25 and be looking as exciting as they already do, that is a very unique position for Roma to be in. And I honestly don't think that Roma's ever been in a position like that where they've had such exciting young attacking talent throughout the side. I can't think of a, a time since, you know, even like the early 2000s, late late 1990s where Roma really had that um so the fact that we're able to enjoy Zaniolo coming back into form 
Abraham looking worth every every single centime or penny or whatever they call it over in Europe. Uh, and uh, Pellegrini just, you know, finding another level. That's fantastic. And we should really be appreciating that. Yeah, it's it probably, you know, I guess the closest we can come to in terms of like young players is like young Antonio Cassano coming over from body with like a, just getting into his prime Totti maybe is the closest, but then you still don't really have maybe Montella as the third member, but I don't know if he was as young. So uh, certainly exciting times. Uh, one stat I'll reference for you, Brandon, before I go to you about Zaniola, he had seven carries into the final third, the attacking third of the pitch, which led Roma. Um, and he dribbled successfully two out of three times. And that's kind of his game that we're starting to see pick back up. So what did you make of it, Brandon? Um, so, yeah, I thought he was, he was fantastic yet again. I think it's really great to see that he's kind of making that right wing position his own. I know a lot has been made about what his best position is. And a lot of people think that it's through the middle, but he's looking extremely dangerous on the wing and, um, you know, combined with Pellegrini's form and Abraham's form, as Jimmy mentioned, having, having that solid option at right wing that, you know, if I had to think probably we didn't, we haven't had a truly, truly reliable option since Salah was at the club. Um, so having that locked down and, you know, you have Mkhitaryan on the left as well. It's, it's a very exciting and dynamic front four. And as Jimmy was alluding to with Tammy's um, poor luck with the post, once everything clicks, clicks together um, and the goals come for both Abraham and Zaniel, this will to opposing teams this is going to be a terrifying front four to go up against um so i'm really excited and i'm hoping you know that kind of uh comes comes together with these next few matches against some of the bigger clubs yeah you're you're right you know when he starts finally hitting the back of the net which i think will come sooner or later because he's creating his own luck now with his dribbling ability and you're right tammy those will come for him too one other number um i just wanted to reference because it just came across as looking at his stat line in terms of the progressive distance carried, which is, you know, carrying the ball into the, you know, positive way going at opponents, he carried the ball 331 yards in the match, um, progressively out of his 535 total distance carried. That was by far the most on Roma. The next closest guy was Pellegrini with 168 uh, progressive yards carrying. So it just shows how comfortable he is bringing the ball up the pitch at on his feet, you know, and Without Spinazzola, especially, I think Roma really lacks that because that was really Spinazzola's job on the opposite flank last year. So, I, you know, I just imagine when he comes back, how much more dangerous Roma will be in possession too, adding another ball carrier to the mix. But you brought it up, so let's talk about it for just a second. I know it's kind of uh, not something we had in the outline, but speaking of Zaniolo's best position, because you're right, a lot of people do call for him to be playing through the middle. There were some false nine calls before the Abraham days. I personally like him on the right wing because I like that left-footed shot. He can unfurl. It gives him space to run in, um, you know, and the national team, especially there's been calls for him as a false nine because of the national team struggles at the the striker position. So Brandon, what do you make of Zaniol's best position in your opinion at this point? So I am in agreement with you. I think, Oh, sorry. I <laughs> misheard. Um, now I think his best position is through the middle. Um, I think that he is, um, but I think he's, uh, you know, taking a stranglehold of that right wing position, as I mentioned before. And I think the the traits that make me think that his best position is through the middle is serving him really well um, on the right, namely what you were talking about with his ability to bring the ball up um, and carry it the length of the fields. I think for me, that's probably one of the reasons why I wanted him through the middle. But 
if he can do it on the, the, the wing consistently, that's a very, you know, dangerous proposition, especially with the speed that he has. Um, and going back to the match itself, there was a moment in the match where he was on the wing after carrying the ball up however many yards. And, you know, he, he, he drew two defenders with him and they're both, you know, simultaneously uh, staying on their toes, waiting for him to make the move. So that will open up the game for the rest of the offense, which will, you know, pay its pay, pay off um, on its own. So I think I'm slowly being converted to uh, Zaniolo right winger. Yeah. And one thing before I go to Jim, I'll throw in one thing that makes me hesitant to play him through the middle at this point is still his passing isn't to the level of like the Pellegrinis and Mkhitaryans and his vision. He still will misplace passes and maybe hold the ball too long, which, you know, the wing maybe lends more to his athleticism and dribbling ability at this point. Maybe it changes moving forward. But um, one thing I want to compliment him on one of his first involvements in the match, he came up the right wing with the ball. Um, and immediately crossed the ball low to the top of the box. He, you know, cut it back. I think it was to Mikatarian and whose shot got blocked, but it was an accurate pass early, which is that's something he has issues with sometimes is those accurate passes when he's looking for teammates. So that was a, a nice thing to see, Jim. What do you make of his be- best position at this point? Yeah, I got to agree that I think right winger is probably where he should be at the moment. I think that especially with how Pellegrini has you know, kind of exploded in that attacking midfield position, it would be kind of silly to put them both in such a similar position. I think that having Zaniolo with, you know, different different um, expectations for what he should be providing to the game instead of Pellegrini makes the attack more of a multi-layered threat. Uh, I would also add that I think that right now we've still got Mkhitaryan in more of an attacking midfielder role, and he's playing excellently like he's not playing as well as Pellegrini but it's pretty impossible to play as well as Pellegrini has to start the season and if Pellegrini hadn't been playing this well we would be talking about how good Mkhitaryan's been I think he's notched a couple goals and has been constantly involved when he's played so fortunately it looks like Roma has an embarrassment of riches up front at the moment I've been happy with what I've seen from Shemurdov I've been happy with Abraham the fact that we have Borja Mayoral as like our third striker now is fantastic. And I doubt that lasts because if I was him, I'd be kind of annoyed that I'm not getting much playtime. But still, for the moment, that's great. And in general, I think that the areas where we're weak were really, really weak. But particularly up front and in the central defense right now, we are incredibly solid with a lot of depth options and a lot of you know ability to mix and match depending on what, ga- what the game needs. Yeah, for sure. And then, you you know, you mentioned Pellegrini. We won't dwell on him too long because we've been paying, playing his praises for, you know, quite a few episodes now. But I just want to point out a, a quote from Mourinho post-match and some of his numbers because he did put a, uh, a strong performance all around. And, you know, Mourinho was asked about the connection between Zaniolo and Pellegrini, which allows Zaniolo to really express himself. And he said, Pellegrini is our key link. He played tonight being man-marked with a guy on him all the time trying to stop him. But Lorenzo played really well in a lot of different areas of the pitch and created a lot of chances of, uh, for our forwards. We played well against one of the toughest teams in Serie A. So, you know, thinking about the way he played, I'll just go through some of his numbers. And, and the numbers speak for what Mourinho was talking about. So in terms of total shots, him and Tammy uh, led the side, both with six shots total, two on target. Um, he had the second most touches on the team with 87. Only Vina had more. He applied the most pressures on the opponent with 19. Uh, only Mkhitaryan was close with 15. He had four tackles to lead the side. A couple other players had three. Um, and then I, he had six shot creating actions leading the side. 
He had 69 carries, which goes to those touches. He had three successful dribbles. And there was also quite a few oh, passes into the final third was the other number I wanted to point out. He had 11 passes into the final third, really looking to facilitate Roma's attack. So, um, and also five passes into the opponent's penalty area, which led the side. So that just speaks to how, you know, good he's becoming all around. And his 10 progressive passes also goes to the passing of finding other players. So Jim, um, what do you, what do you make of Pellegrini's performance considering that Mourinho pointed out after the match that he was man marked the whole time? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm getting, I'm running out of things to say that are incredibly positive about Pellegrini, but at the same time, I really can't find flaws in the way he's been playing so far this season. The man marking wasn't a hundred percent noticeable to me, I'll admit, but at the same time, if that's true and I trust Mourinho on that, that only, you know, further emphasizes how good Pellegrini has been. And yeah, that, that tying it back into where Zaniolo should fit. If Pellegrini is able to play this well, while man-marked, even by a side like Empoli, which, you know, is not the same as being man-marked by someone from Juventus or Lazio even. But if he's able to play this well while being man-marked, you really don't want to mess with the Colonel's secret formula right now for him. So so as much as it might be interesting, I think Zaniolo is very interchangeable everywhere. I think that we should recognize when we've got a great thing going with Pellegrini and not change anything at all. Yeah, and I'll just throw a couple more numbers at you, Brandon, before you go. So speaking to the man marking, Pellegrini was pressured, uh, you know, passed the ball 15 times while under pressure. That was the most on the side. He led the side in switches, uh, across field switches with five, uh, led the side in crosses. So he was, you know, doing all kinds of things with his passing ability, even while under that pressure. So I, I know we're running out of things to say, but anything you want to add in there, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, just one of the big takeaways for me and further, further highlighted by um, – the numbers you shared regarding the man marking is if um, if there was a game that we were due for a letdown Pellegrini performance, this was probably the one just given based on, you know, his contract renewal and the highs of that um, you would be forgiven for thinking that there was potential for Pellegrini to kind of let the moment get to him, um, especially because first game after that is at home um, in front of the fans. But clearly handled the pressure extremely well opened the scoring so you know as Jimmy was saying we're we're kind of running out of things here to to praise him with but um I think you know that that's um a great sign with his attitude and mentality that this was not a letdown game for him yeah um he he played really well you're right and after his contract is when you know you might expect a letdown type of performance and he did not let it happen um just while we're on the offense I didn't have Mkhitaryan in the you know, the outline, but I guess we have to talk about Mkhitaryan for just a minute too, because he had a goal and an assist in this match, you know, set up Pellegrini's goal, scored a goal. And he's kind of becoming the forgotten man in the attack because three youngsters are so exciting that, you know, he's almost like that extra, you know, I, I guess in Italian, they would say one woman pew, like the extra man, because everybody's, you know, talking about Zaniolo, Abraham, Pellegrini, but Mkhitaryan continues to play well. What did you make of his performance yesterday, Brandon? I thought it was great. Again, he's, uh, because you know he's for me he's always consistently reliable in the performances that you're going to get from him and you at this point in his Roma tenure you you know generally what you're going to get game in game out from him um I think going to your point about being the forgotten man he also seems to be you know the steady hand in that um offense just because he's a little more mature and can um you know, that, that he's a player that the younger ones can look towards when times are tough and things aren't as free-flowing as we would like them to be. Um, he's the player that, you know, 
you can look to to make that incisive pass if things aren't really going our way. So really just becoming Mr. Reliable in my in my eyes. Um, and I think that's that's great for all the young players that we have to have that person to look to. Yeah. What about you, Jim? What'd you make of Mkhitaryan so far? Yeah, I've been, as I said already, I've been really happy with his play to start the season. I think that it's kind of fascinating that, you know, for a long time, this Roma side was often full up with players who were on a certain side of 30. Uh, And, you know, they were players who had reached the highest heights of European football, but they were definitely older. And now the only player who's really left who's that old is Mkhitaryan. And yeah, I guess, I guess maybe Rui Patricio, but goalkeepers age in different ways than other players. So I would just say that it's great that we have a much younger side now. And it's also great that we've got Mkhitaryan there to you know be a bit of a balancing aspect. Someone who's been there before and knows what to say when you know people go through stretches of poor form or stretches of good form. And there isn't a player I would rather see learn from Mkhitaryan over the long term than Pellegrini because I think that you know in terms of their ability to be influential on a match Pellegrini it would be great if Pellegrini and Mkhitaryan could have similar you know career highs yeah and he is becoming Mr. Reliable like Brandon said so now on the complete opposite of the spectrum he's one of our veteran leaders we had Darboe who started in the midfield and you know he had that one uh Poor giveaway I mentioned that led to a direct shot that was luckily blocked by Mancini. But overall, let's talk about some of his numbers. So I'm going to pull up some of his passing stats because that's one thing, you know, that he might be able to add to the midfield. Um, you know, he's more that Regista type defensive midfield, I think is what Rome was hoping to get out of him. So I'll go through his numbers here. He was 39 of 41 on his passes, good for 95.1% of his pa- uh, attempts. Seven for seven on short passes under 15 yards, 20 of 22 on passes between 15 and 30 yards, which are considered medium by FB reference. And then on long passes, 30 yards or more, 11 for 11. So, you know, he did have that one giveaway. That was one of only two misplaced passes he had in the whole match. Um, What did you make of his performance, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I personally think that it's pretty obvious at this point that he's ahead of DOR and VR on on the depth chart. And the neat thing, I think, to me is that on the flip side, while I was saying this last week, that a problem is that Veratu and Cristante are both suited to playing the role that Veratu generally plays in this side. And that stinks because they're both, you know, starter level great players. But on the flip side of that, it means that, you know, they're they're interchangeably able to work with Darboe as kind of that second midfielder who's laying back. And... That's really great. I think we saw, particularly against Empoli, how Darboe and Veratu can work well together. And I think that we'll be able to see probably at some point in the next couple months how Darboe can work with Cristante, you know, having those two. I'm sure that Veratu at some point will pick up some form of, you know, slight knock that makes it so he shouldn't be starting a match. And... I'm not going to get too far ahead on the hype train for Darboe. He's still quite young and, you know, no ma- unless he gets to be incredibly amazing before the January window, I would assume that Roma's going to try to bring in a new midfielder who can do a lot of what he does just, you know, with more experience. Given that it's pretty exciting to see that we have a midfielder who showed promise last season and is showing it again with actual stakes this time, as Mourinho said in his press conference. 
Yeah, and he also, you know, was pretty good on the defensive side. Six ball recoveries was tied for second best in the team behind Vertu's nine. So, uh, Brandon, what are you making of Darboe's early returns here? Just, you know, a match and then a conference league match. But what are you making of it so far? I've loved every minute of it that he's been on the pitch. I think it's, um, for me, one of the things that stood out in the two losses that we've had thus far is the amount of um, misplaced passes. And that just resulted in our midfield getting overran sometimes. So when you have a player like Darboe who can have excellent passing um, statistics and whatnot, that that really, you know, eases the burden on Veritude and Cristante, whoever he's paired with. And also being a more defensive-minded midfielder gives them the freedom to do what they like to do, which is push a little more up higher up the pitch. Um, I agree with Jimmy regarding, you know, tempering expectations but for for a depth piece um you you, you could do a lot worse than darboe based on what we've seen in these two games i i think that's still you know in the winter market it'll be something that the club will to look look to bring somebody in but um you know for now it's step he's definitely a, a great player to have um to call on when when things aren't going so well yeah, I have to agree with you guys, you know, tamper expectations. It's only one steady off start for 63 minutes so far this season. Um, you know, he had the 90 minutes in the conference league against Zoria, you know, which I don't know how much better they are than some of the teams he may face in Italy's Primavera side. No, 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 you know, no offense to Zoria or anything, but, you know, but we also saw a little taste of it last season. So the talent we know is there. Now it's just him putting it together, like Mourinho said, not crumbling under pressure. And, you know, he's got a few months to sh- sort of prove himself, maybe earn himself some more minutes. I agree with Jim that in the sense of Cristante's best position, he fits the Vertu role a lot better than he does the defensive midfield role If in an ideal world. You know, he can make those runs, score goals, help on defense and, and distribute the ball a little bit, which makes him probably better suited to the, the Vertu role. So we saw Darboe with Cristante on Thursday to open the match. We saw him to open the match with Vertu in this one. So maybe Roma can at least to to spell those two guys have a three man rotation where you know Darboe can play the midweek match in the conference league to spell at least one of them or play a midweek Serie A match if it's against a weaker side or if you know you have Juve coming up uh, in a few days you play him against whoever the weaker Serie A side is of the like a three game stretch or something just to to spell those two maybe put Cristante in a better role that's more suited for him in certain matches he probably doesn't solve the 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 issues against like the Juve's and Napoli's of the world yet. I don't think Mourinho throws him in there against Juve coming up right away, but I think he is starting to prove himself a bit. And I, and I have to agree with Jim. I think he's jumped ahead of Diwar and VR in the pecking order, at least for the time being, because, you know, we've seen those two, you know, conference league, they both got to start the first group stage. Roma was okay for 60 minutes, turned it on after they both came off for Cristante and Vertu. Neither of them starts again. Uh, Cristante got the start, even though he's been playing a lot of minutes on Thursday uh, alongside Darboe. So those two have some work to do. And I think the fact that Steven Nzonzi is no longer on the books gives Roma some flexibility in the winter if they do want to pursue a more experienced uh, version of Darboe and maybe try to at least loan out VR or Diawara. Uh, it, it's certainly a possibility, but that's a, that's a conversation as we get closer to January and really see how he develops. So let's take a look ahead because we do have the international break, but post-international break, Roma really has a big stretch of schedule to finish the month of October. It's Juve. Then there's the conference league match against, um, I forget the name of the side from Norway. And then it's Napoli, Cagliari midweek and Milan. So five matches in a three week span, 
or really, yeah, really 16 days or so, not even three weeks. I think it's about 15 calendar days. So they're sitting fourth right now, uh, 15 points out of 21. That good enough for fourth in the league. Napoli is still perfect on 21. Uh, Milan has only dropped, I believe, two points so far. They're on 19 with their victory yesterday. They got a big win over Atalanta. And then we also have, let me just make sure I get the right amount of points here. Inter on 17 and Roma on 15. So Roma sitting fourth, you know, we're about just under 20% of the way through the season. So good position, all things considered, ahead of Juve, ahead of Atalanta, ahead of Lazio. So, I mean, all things considered, guys, how do you feel about Roma so far sitting fourth position ahead of some of the teams I mentioned and, and not far off the lead, only six points off the top, and that's been a perfect Napoli side. Uh, Brandon? It's unexpected in my mind. Um, I'm not used to um, – I don't know. I mean, the, the schedule was uh, very favorable going into the season, so it's not – really a surprise that we're in the position that we are but simultaneous to that I think we all know the club that we're rooting for and to see them fourth especially after the last few years is kind of um refreshing to see um I think the um you know it's 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 good to see that after each loss that we've had whether it be in the conference league or in the league that a victory is followed soon after so I think in the past we we've we've uh, kind of been like in a trend where if we lose, we would maybe draw the next one and it kind of would have a cascading effect. And so with the early returns thus far, you hope they kind of buck that trend. And um, yeah, so surprise, but, but it's refreshing. Yeah. Jim, what about you? How are you feeling about the, the fourth place position after seven matches? I'm pretty happy with it. I think that, you know, it's kind of disappointing the matches that we lost because those did feel like winnable matches. Um, both the Hellas game and the Lazio game felt like matches where a win could have happened. And I guess that's encouraging for Roma's long-term prospects, but it is frustrating, you know, see Spalletti and Napoli gloat about their perfect record right now when, you know, it wouldn't have been that far out of the question for Roma to have one too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, this next month can be positive for Roma. I'm not expecting, you know, an undefeated streak necessarily, but, you know, out of those four matches that matter, I think we're playing Juve, uh, Napoli, Cagliari, and Milan. Um, three, three wins out of four is something that I think is feasible and could happen. Uh, I'm not personally that scared of Napoli or Milan. Um, Juve will always give me nightmares. <laughs> so um, depending on how those matches go, I I would hope that Roma is able to at least stay in the top four, but you know, everyone else is going to hit rough patches too. So I could see Roma being in second or third by the time November rolls around. Yeah. So definitely a tough stretch. It's, it's funny you say that because Juve probably right now is the most beatable of the three in terms of like how they've performed so far. Um, and that's the first match for Roma after the international break. So, you know, that almost becomes the most important match of the bunch because it kind of sets the tone for that, that big stretch. And then they do have that conference league match before Napoli. So, you know, if things don't go well against Juve, could that be another bounce back opportunity like Zoria was after the Derby? Or if they do play really well against Juve, does that become a little bit of a distraction ahead of Napoli? Or do they overlook that match because of Napoli coming up? We'll see. But um, I I think out of those three big matches, you know, if Roma could pull six points out of the three big ones, who who knows where they could be at the end of 
October heading into November. But, you know, I think in terms of those 12 points that are on the board in Serie A with, you know, excluding the conference league match, I think, you know, if you get between seven and nine points in that stretch, that's got to be considered a pretty successful stretch as long as any of the points dropped aren't to Caliute because that has to be a win, I think. Um, It's going to be a challenge, though, for Roma. You know, Juve is going to be tough. They're starting to pick up the pace a little bit. They're starting to find results even when they're not playing their best. So we'll see how both these teams come in after the the international break, which is always could throw kind of a monkey wrench and things. But, Brandon, how are you looking at that, um, you know, stretch of five matches at the end of the month? So I... I don't know. I'm I'm always I'm still uh, a little have a little PTSD from the big matches, uh, especially from the Fonseca era where we just cannot get any points from these big games. It seemed like Uh, in terms of what would be classified as a success, uh, I mean, I, I would lean, you know, seven, eight points is probably a realistic success to um, I think. The biggest match of the three big ones is probably Juve, just because Napoli and Milan are also in the top four with us, and it's Juve who are the ones that need to catch up. So for me, if I could pick a game of the bunch to win, it would be that one outside of the Cagliari match, obviously. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a safe seven to eight points out of that stretch. Yeah, I think seven to eight would be a, a reasonable haul for most Roma fans. If we could get two wins and two draws and get eight out of it, and you keep pace with those teams above you and maybe you know push Juve a little further behind not the end of the world depending on how some of the other matches go in that that three week four week stretch four match days in three weeks um but let's before we talk about the international break we'll mention the players that are going out on break but let's considering that stretch have a bold prediction for the end of October whether it's player related team related you know table related what's your bold prediction for the uh come Halloween after the Milan matches wrapped up Brandon so I'm going to go with that. We'll beat two of the three big clubs, but drop points to Kyrie. That's my, that's. Wouldn't it be outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I, just feel, I feel like it'll just be that's like one a of the fun, bold one, man. That's a depressing bold. One. <laughs> Lose points to Kyrie. Come on. <laughs> I just think it'll be like kind of one of those. We beat Napoli and then natural like let down because it's just like a game. You get less amped for type of situation um but yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm going with what about you jim what's your bold prediction there will be a zaniolo hat trick sometime this month wow that's my bold that's my bold prediction i don't know against two and if it still counts if it's in the ecl to be clear i was gonna throw in some zaniolo but i don't know if i can match that but go ahead no I, i i just feel like i feel like he's with just like abraham if only more so he's so obviously raring for a goal at this point that I could just see, you know, one match, his shooting boots really being on and, you know, undoing months and months and years of frustration on some poor goalkeeper. So that's, that's my bold prediction. Yeah. So I was going to kind of echo Brandon's two of the three big ones, get victories in those. And I was going to say Zaniolo scores in at least two of the three matches against the big sides. That was going to be my bold Zaniolo prediction. Cause that, I think he's due. I, I think he's starting to play well where he's going to find the back of the net. He's just too explosive not to. And I'll say we're sitting third by the end of October. We'll move up a position with a couple of big victories. That'll be my bold prediction. Uh, optimistic, of course, but you know we have to be bold and optimistic if Roma's going to uh, finish top four this year. So we are going into an international break. So just to fill you guys in on who was called up, we have Pellegrini and Cristante for the Italian senior side. 
Uh, Zaniolo wasn't originally called, then was given the option to go report to replace the injured Matteo Piscina. Uh, but Zaniolo's got a little flexor issue after yesterday's game, so he's not going to report anyway. So he did kind of get a replacement call, and ultimately is not reporting. Uh, Ricardo Calafiori, Italy under-21s. Eduardo Bove, Italy under-20s. Jordan Vertu, another France call-up. Good for him. Uh, Rui Patricio continues to be Portugal's number one in goal, so he's going back with uh, his friend Cristiano Ronaldo over there. Uh, Matisse Vigna will be going to South America to represent Uruguay again. Hopefully that doesn't cause any kind of uh, quarantine issues when he returns, considering Juve is right after the break. I don't know if they've eased that up for South American nations. Henrik Mkhitaryan continues to be Armenia's talisman. He goes over there. Uh, Max Kambula, Albania. Amadou Diawara goes to Guinea, even though his lack of playing time with Roma is not hurting his national team chances. Darboe, Jimmy mentioned, got called up for Gambia. So good for him, getting called up by the Gambian senior team. Uh, Eldor Shamordov called up for Uzbekistan. And Tammy Abraham got his England call up. First time in a while he's been called up. So uh, quite a few call-ups. Always good for our players to get the recognition for when they're playing well. Obviously, on the flip side, you know, Mourinho loses some quality time with some of his best players to try to work on some things. Um, so I, I'd imagine the, the defense gets a lot of attention during the international break, considering Mancini's not called up. Ibanez will be there. Smalling hopefully is fit. Uh, Rick Karsdorp, no call up. So at, at least those guys, I guess, can work on some things with Mourinho. But other than that, there's not many guys available at Trigoria for Mourinho. There's no, there's certainly not going to be any pickup matches or I don't think even seven V sevens because the, the numbers won't be there, but you know, kudos to those guys. Uh, hopefully they perform well. And uh, before we wrap up, I don't know if you guys saw it, but one thing really made me feel good as a Romanista yesterday. I don't know if you saw the photo after Pellegrini's goal, walking back from the Curva Sud. Uh, I think Pellegrini was in the middle. Abraham's on one side, Zaniol's on the other. They have their arms over each other's shoulders. And it kind of makes you feel good because we've mentioned how young this attack is, how dynamic it is. And you really like get excited, as Romanista said, to see the camaraderie to go with the talent. Did you guys get to see that picture? Yeah, I got I to did, see it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, it's, it's one, it was one of those pictures that you, um, you know, 10, five, 10 years down the road, it's one of those that'll like pop up on Roma's social media account, uh, like to commemorate when things really took off with the three of them and, uh, they, they went on a tear, um, and did some, then made some history with the club. So you hope that that's the course that they're on. Um, but also it's great to see just in the sense of um, the level of chemistry within the squad um, with all these guys being so young, it's, it's um, very exciting the the potential of them growing up together. Yeah, for sure. Jim, anything you want to throw in on that? Yeah, I got to say Abraham's really good form has a lot of uh, Chelsea fans on Twitter sniping about bringing him back in a couple seasons and if that happens all I'm gonna say is I hope that we get a couple trophies with these guys first because I'm, I'm really getting attached to him and I'll understand if he goes back to the Premier League but I'm enjoying it too much already yeah it's it's definitely a lot of fun and I just put another link click the link in the doc I don't know if you guys saw this one on Twitter yesterday but it gave me a really good chuckle uh, it was a shot at Lazio um, for anybody who hasn't seen it. There was a, the picture of Maurizio Sadi with the Eagle on his arm from last week. And then this Lovely. week uh, Lazio got absolutely destroyed by Bologna in the early match. I unfortunately was not up at six 30 Eastern to watch it, but I woke up to the scoreline. And then the second picture is a picture of an Eagle basically dead on the ground. So 
gave me a chuckle after the the loss to Lazio. They 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 kind of fell back to earth really hard this week. Um, <laughs> I mean, not Look, much man, better we've gotta, than that. We got to be a little. We got to be a little bit polite with them only because it, it, you can't be mean to the country bumpkins. You know, they're trying. They're trying their best. Okay, they're trying their best. We should be a little bit nicer. We they they're they're trying their best. Yeah. Yeah, and Roma restored their four-point lead over Lazio on the table. So that's always a, a good feeling going into the international break. So before we leave the listeners, uh, next week we will be back probably a day later because of the holiday here in the States over the weekend, long weekend. Um, you know, start thinking of your questions because we're, we're thinking about a listener Q&A considering we won't have any Roma matches to talk about. But anything you guys have in, coming out on the website uh, to look forward to for the, the readers? I'm still brainstorming because now that the international break's starting, it's, it's cut down on a lot of things to write about. But I, I will, there will definitely be something from me coming soon. Yeah, what about you, Brandon? Any, any brand versus brands coming out or anything? <laughs> I was actually just thinking about this today. When, when are we going to break out the next iteration of it? But similarly, similarly to Jimmy, I'm also brainstorming. But I am very excited to see what kind of questions we're going to get for the Q&A. Yeah, and uh, um, Bren put out a tweet from the site account, Twitter account. If you guys have any ideas for any pieces you might want us to try to work on over the international break, uh, shoot it out at the Twitter account uh, because we're, we're all ears because international breaks are very hard for us sometimes to get content, especially when it's not like uh, transfer market rumors heating up yet. Uh, maybe come the like November Mercato you know, break, we'll have Mercato stuff to cover. But at this point, no. Um, I know Bren has a Q&A ready for us, uh, uh, seven questions about Roma's first seven matches. So you can keep an eye out for that probably Wednesday. I'm looking at four of the key numbers from yesterday's match. That should be out tomorrow. Uh, but other than that, you know, I think Bren is working on a, an Abraham piece. But other than that, let us know what you want and think about your questions for next week's episode. And thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.